have your Bibles tonight. One of the most challenging passages of scriptures in my heart as I look at this passage, if you got your outline tonight, I want you to notice Exodus 33. I want you to see a little bit about this story here. Keep in mind, uh, Moses has just begged the Lord to forgive Israel. Notice in chapter 32, uh, in verse number 32, one of the one of the, the only dash in the Bible, he says, "Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, dash, and if not, blot me. I pray thee out of the book which thou hast written." Now, understand. I think there are two books. I don't believe that Moses was asking to go to hell for the children of Israel. I think you love the Lord more than that. But there's a book of the living and the Lamb's book of life, two different books. The book of the living is everybody that's living at that moment in time. And when God blots you out of the book, then you're dead, okay? Uh, if, if There's no blotting you out of the book of the Lamb's book of life. And so that's the reason whosoever is found in the Lamb's book of life, then they're on the way to heaven. But if you are not found in the Lamb's book of life, you're cast into hell. So here he's saying, look, just take me on home, Lord, if you, if you can't forgive their sin. Lord, I just can't bear to watch it. Now notice, if you would, in verse, in verse 1 of 33, the Lord makes a decision. And I want you to get this. How many of you know what an intercessor is? Somebody tell me what an intercessor is. What's an intercessor? Hello, anybody alive? An intercessor. And? Okay, someone stands up for somebody else intercedes for somebody else. Everybody in this room needs to be an intercessor for somebody. I don't care who you are. I hope you're standing up for somebody, your brother, your aunt, your uncle, your mother, your cousin, a visitor you've met here. Folks, all of us should have in our heart somebody we're standing up for. Now, you'll notice here in verse 1 of chapter 33, the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and get thee up thence. Thou and the people which thou hast brought out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. Two, and I will send an angel before thee. Now, we find out a few verses later why God said, I'll send an angel before you. If we had tonight the Lord say to us, hey, I'm going to send an angel with you, uh, Pastor Pittman, and guide your church, well, that could be a good thing, but not if it's in place of the Lord. So notice, if you would, in verse number four, and when the people heard these evil tidings, you're going to send an angel, not yourself, they mourned. And notice in verse five, the Lord gives the reason why he would not go himself. For the Lord had said unto Moses, saying to the children of Israel, ye are stiff-necked people. Notice in the outline, Roman number one, Israel greatly frustrated the Lord. Now listen very carefully. The Lord was frustrated because he loved Israel so much. But they didn't love him back. They wanted him to bless them. They wanted to do as much as they could to get his blessing, but they didn't want to love him. And they didn't want to obey him and follow him. So notice what happens. A, in the outline, God desperately loved Israel, but his love was not returned. Now notice B, they were a stiff-necked people. Now I put the Hebrew definition in here, and none of us in this room want to be like this, or else we're going to be filled with sin. 
We're going to focus on ourselves. As the story tonight about the uh, prodigal son, notice hard, difficult to deal with. Someone that's just difficult. You want to go left, they want to go right. You, you want to talk to them, they're not willing to listen. Notice stubborn. They have their own mindset and their own way about something. Fierce and fiery-tempered. They're even hard to get close to because they might blow up on you. So notice, he says, God was sure that before they entered the promised land, he would destroy them because of their behavior and attitude. Look in verse 3. He says, Under land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. So, folks, tonight, you and I cannot have a hardened heart or a stubborn heart about anything. We have to say, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do, Lord. You show me, I'll do it. Now, God gives some clear things in Scripture that we're never to do. We're never to lie, never to cheat, never be bitter. And those things, we just have a sweet spirit, but there's a conviction in our heart and a backbone that that's not even an option for us because it's against what God wants us to do. So it's not something we can pray about. It's not something we consider. And we begin to fill our hearts with sin if we lay awake in bed at night, figuring out how we can uh, uh, get by with some sin, how we can get around some untruthful thing. So understand, we always need to get to the point where we finally say, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, one of the sad things about this passage, I find a place where they mourn. I find a place where they are sad. They tuck off all of their um, happy robes and, and, and paraphernalia. They take off their, their earrings and their necklaces and their bracelets, and they take all that stuff off. They don't present themselves as ready to go out in the world, happy. They mourn. They grieve. But I cannot find in this passage where they say, Lord, I'm sorry. Now, I want you to understand tonight, one of the greatest examples of I'm sorry is in the prodigal son. He says in his heart, I am no more worthy to be called thy son to his father. That is full and complete apology. And all of us in this room, look, that's not in our nature. Your nature doesn't encourage you to make a full apology of anything. Your nature, my nature, none of us do. But what we want to do is say, look, I really am sorry. I, I didn't mean it the way it came across. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't intend for that. Or I said it to hurt you, and I'm sorry. Forgive me. Notice, if you would, in, in this passage, the Lord said, thou art a stiff-necked people. You don't listen. Do you understand Moses put his life on the line for Israel, and all they did was say, oh, man. God's not going to go with us. That's a bummer. Notice, if you would, from chapter 33, verse 1, you'll, you'll notice in verse number, uh, verse number 3, For thou didst stick in that people, lest I consume thee in the way, and the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned. And no man did put on him his ornaments. They didn't get dressed up to go to church. They just didn't say anything. Notice, if you would, down in verse number, in verse number 5, and the Lord had said unto Moses, saying to the children of Israel, You are stiff-necked people. I will come into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. 
And, and notice if you would, at the last part he says, that I may know what to do unto thee. I don't know what to do with you. How many of you had your parents, you maybe did the same thing a couple times, and your parents said, I don't know what to do with you. Don't raise your hand, okay? But it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. That's the Lord. Now, when the Lord says that to us, the thing we ought to do is immediately fall on our knees. So, I am sorry. Forgive me. You don't find that anywhere in here. They were hard. They knew it was not a good thing. They were spiritual enough to know it's not a good thing if God says, I'm not going with you. If I got close to you, I'd have to destroy you. Folks, tonight, that's really one of the greatest lessons we can learn in this passage. They were God's children. He said, I love you, and they wouldn't return the love. Tonight, you and I cannot let the things of this world change us to where we cannot say, Lord, I love you too, and you're most important to me. And if the Lord said to us, Dave Pittman, you're a stiff-necked man, I said, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Not one word of apology. I, 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 I don't understand why God didn't destroy him right then, except this. There was a man that stood up for them. And folks, tonight, there's a lot of people in this world that God can't get close to because he'd have to destroy them, just like here. He hates sin, but you and I can stand up for them and give them a second chance and a third chance. I, I've told you the story. The, the most foul-mouthed man I've ever heard or met was my uncle, my dad's twin brother. My dad's a Christian. I never once heard him curse. My uncle, I couldn't hear him say a sentence without cursing. And he was saved 80-something years old, 86 years old. Somebody came through his hospital bed and led him to Christ. My dad in tears told me, Dad, Dave, my brother got saved. You never give up. But somebody's going to stand up for you. If when I get to heaven and see the Lord, I'm going to be able to see Uncle Yell, and Uncle Yell's going to have his arm around my, his brother, and those of us that prayed for him say, thank you for not giving up on me. But if there's nobody to stand up for you, no one to stand in the gap, they're finished. So I want to encourage you tonight. Let's go through the outline. Notice this. Uh, a D in the outline. Uh, God decided not to go with Israel, but to send an angel to lead them. Now, they knew that was bad news, that God wouldn't go, but they couldn't bring themselves to say, Lord, we're sorry. They just mourned over it. They just grieved over the fact that God wouldn't go with them. They knew he had all power, but they didn't think that of the angel. So notice, if you would, uh, E in the outline, Israel was smart enough to know that anyone or anything but the Lord leading them was bad news. Now, notice, if you would, uh, in the outline, Roman numeral two, Moses met God friend to friend in a private meeting. Now, now you know, tonight, I, I trust that I have some friends that can meet with God friend to friend. And folks, tonight, my prayer is that there's a lot of people in this church can do that for Nick's sake. For some people that are on a prayer list that I have that are not saved that have come to our church and come pretty regular on Sunday morning that I know we're not saved. Folks, we're, we're here to make a difference, not just to make dollars. 
We're to make a difference. Notice, if you would, uh, A, Moses had to be empty of sin. There's no blank there because I just want you to think about that. Moses had to be empty of sin in order to be close to God. Remember the reason God said, I can't be near Israel because I'll destroy you. So the only way you can get close to the Lord is by being empty of sin. And that's an apology. That's, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. And then walking right for an extended period of time, and I don't know how long that is. Notice, if you would, in, in B in the outline, Moses had a special standing or place in God's heart for God to meet personally with him. But everybody can have that today. It's not just Moses. But if you remember, Moses was filled with pride, just like the prodigal son at the beginning, and he murdered a guy. He took the entire wrong way, to, and he killed the Egyptian. Then he had to run for his life, and it took God 40 years in the backside of the desert to get him to the point where he says, Lord, I, 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 I can't do anything. He was humble. It took 40 years to humble him. You know, I don't have that much time left, so I, I don't want the Lord to take 40 more years to humble my heart. I want it to start tonight, Lord. You remember in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 4, we looked at, at, at a word that was meekness and that was gentle. And the word meekness was, you know, he, he said not rising far from the ground. It's looking in your own heart up to people. Even though maybe you've made more money, maybe you're smarter, you have more degrees, but you purposely think little of yourself. When God looked at Saul, he said, when you were little in your own sight, I made you king. Does anybody remember what Saul did when God chose him? And Samuel came out and said, I, I, I want to point out to you the king that God's chosen for you. Uh, do you remember where he was? Yes, sir. Tommy? He was hiding. He put himself down. He was the tallest guy in Israel, six foot six, apparently, head and shoulders of everybody else. But in his heart, he was humbled. And God said, when you were little in your own sight, I raised you up. And folks, that's all of us tonight. Pride, selfishness, it causes us to be big in our own sight. It's a destroyer of the soul. Notice, if you would, and see in the outline, Moses convinced the Lord that he and Israel were different from all other people and nations only because of one thing, God's presence in their lives. And folks, tonight, that's the only reason we're any different than anybody else. We're just like the rest of the world, except for God's presence in our life. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And as we yield to the Holy Spirit, we become more and more special to the Lord. Notice, if you would, uh, I want you to take note, if, if you would, in verse number 16. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And tonight, folks, the difference between us and all the other people on the face of the earth is not the houses we live in, the cars we drive, the clothes we wear, the size of our bank accounts. It's the presence of God in our life. God doesn't count those other things. The Scripture says about David, man looketh on the outside, but God looketh on the heart. And folks, tonight, every one of us can hide our pride. 
And we can be filled with sin and come into church and sit just like everybody else. But we're a failure in God's sight. Because God can be nowhere near us. And folks, tonight, I want you to be able to have the presence of God in your life. And you can start tonight. Just like Moses urged the children of Israel, but they would not. They were hard. Now, notice if you were in the outline very quickly. Um, uh, D in the outline, Moses made up his mind that he would not go. Moses would not go to the promised land without God's presence. Look in verse 15. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not up with me, carry us not up hence. I don't want to go if your presence doesn't go with us. God, he had the promise of the angel. He said, look, I don't care about the angel. Uh, Sorry, Michael. Sorry, Gabriel. I want the Lord. And tonight, that has to be our attitude. The Lord and nothing. Notice with me, if you would, in E in the outline, do we realize that nothing can take place, the place of God's presence in our lives? Um, Notice verse 17. I, I love this passage. Don't miss the end result of Moses pleading for Israel, of Moses pleading for God's presence. Notice in verse 17, and the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Tonight, every teenager, you can find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Everybody here, you can have your prayers answered because he says, look here, I will do this thing for you. Do you understand what had just happened? They had just made a golden calf. They had just tried to worship something they had made and said, this be the God that took us out of Israel, out of Egypt and brought us across the sea. How, how could they dare do that in 40 days? Because they could never bring themselves to say a full, I am sorry, Lord. They never humbled themselves. And folks, tonight, if I could, if you get anything about this, you've got Moses fully humbled, yielded, and treasures the presence of God above all else on earth. And the children of Israel, that they want their, their lands, they want their, their food, uh, they want their water, uh, they, they, they want to be somebody. And here's Moses says, I only want you. And God says, okay, who am I going to listen to? I'm not even going with you. I'll send an angel with you because I do love you, but I'll send an angel with you, but I'll go with you. But Moses was so persuasive. And this is what I'd like to encourage you tonight, to become so close to the Lord that you could ask for the lives of a friend, and God will answer. I will do this thing that you've asked. I am certain there are some souls that hang in the balance in your life, your circle of friends and family, that if you and I don't step up and yield ourselves to him, they're in trouble. They won't make it. God will end up consuming them. Now, notice if you would in the outline, uh, Roman numeral three, excuse me, F in the outline, Moses asked to see God's glory. And God permitted it. What a special joy for Moses. Moses asked one thing for himself in this whole thing. He asked one thing. And notice what it was. Look in verse number 18. And he said, I beseech thee, Lord, I plead with you. Show me thy glory. Lord, let me see you in your great power. Lord, could I just see you in the brightness of your glory? 
in verse 19, and he said, I will make, now listen to this, what God says. I love this passage. I will make all my goodness pass before thee. Wow, what a privilege. To have God say, I'll bring, I'll let you see all my goodness. I don't know how that was. Maybe it was the Shekinah glory of God's creative power or, or, or God's magnificence, but it's something that he said, it's my goodness. It's the showing to Moses the goodness of God. And notice, if you would, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And what he's saying, I'll be gracious to the ones that, that follow me. I'll be gracious to the ones that humble themselves before me, that want to be my friend that want my presence. Notice, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy, verse 20. And he said, thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. But notice verse 21. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me. Now I want you to know something. I like that place right there. Lord says, there's a place by me. Wouldn't that be the most wonderful thing in the world? For the Lord said, James, there's a place right here by me. Brandon, there's a place right here by me. Joseph, there's a place right here by me. Notice what he says. And thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock. And I love this again. So many things about this passage. It just thrill my heart and give me hope. And I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. Tonight, Do you want that place beside the Lord? Well, it can't be a selfish thing. There first has to be a brokenness, a desire for His presence, but interceding for others. You know your purpose in life. Our purpose in life is not to see the glory of God. That's a privilege. Our purpose is to pray and to stand up for somebody to witness to somebody, to share the gospel, is to proclaim the name of Christ. Now, you're going to notice here in a minute. uh, uh, Look, if you would, in in verse number uh, 23, and I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts. I'll let you see my glory from the back as I pass by. It's almost like him saying, Moses, you're still a sinner. You can't see me face to face. When we get to heaven, we'll see the Lord face to face. Because our sin's gone. Our nature is no longer a sin nature. It's a perfect nature. And then the Lord and I and you can see the Lord face to face and not die for it. Because remember, he says, the reason I can't walk with the children of Israel is because I would consume them. We don't want God to have to kill us because we got too close to him and we have a sinful nature. Even Moses could not see the face of God. It was like, he said, you can see my back parts. You can see the glory as I pass by. Now notice, if you would, in verse 30, chapter 34, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses. So now uh, he's seen the Lord. He's seen his glory. He's all excited about the privileges that he's enjoyed. And the Lord says, look, I want you to do something for me. He said unto Moses, hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first. And I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables, which thou breakest. He didn't get after Moses for breaking those two tables. Remember, he came down off the mountain, he saw the golden calf, and he says, and he just lost it. He says, what are you doing? And he threw those those commands down and broke all apart. 
He just saw the sin that the people were doing. Now, I do believe God allows us to get angry over sin. But we don't strike out at people and punch people and kick things and throw things. It was just like you've disregarded what God has given to you. And he throws it down and breaks it and says, what are you thinking? And God said, okay, Moses, I want you to come back. I want you to uh, hew two more tables, and I'll write it again. Now, notice if you would, in verse 2, and be ready in the morning and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai and present thyself there to me on the top of the mount. Present thyself to me. And folks, every morning we ought to do that. Lord, here I am. Could I talk with you this morning? It's taken me a long time to get to where I get up in the morning. And my favorite thing to do is I get up and I get to sit down and present myself to the Lord. It wasn't always that way. It starts my day. I try not to do anything else. I try not to... I don't read any other books. I don't read the articles, newspaper. I, I try to say, Lord, the first thing I want. Notice this. And be ready in the morning. Come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai and present thyself there to me on the top of the mount. The first thing I want to do every morning is to present myself to the Lord. Lord, I want you to forgive me. I want to be clean in your sight. Lord, would you show me today what you want me to do? Lord, would you guide me today? And then I read it, read God's word. It's the best hour of the day to me. It's a time when I get up and there's not the distractions. Um, today I was eating lunch. I got I got a little lunch. Uh, uh, let's see, I had a had a salad that was that had gotten and a small salad emphasis upon the small salad. It wasn't a big one. And I was sitting in my office, and after the third phone call, I still had a portion of my salad left. I just got up, went into the other room with all the other guys, and said, I'm going to put my phone on airplane mode so I can just finish my salad. And sometimes I feel like that way, but in the morning, I think all of us should present ourselves to the Lord and say, Lord, could I just talk with you? Now, I know this. God loves everybody in this room enough to say, I'm here. If we love him enough to say, I'm here, Lord, could I talk with you? I think this is the secret to the power Moses had with God. Now, notice if you would quickly in the outline, at Roman numeral three, God called Moses back up to Mount Sinai to again uh, give him the two tables of the law, and Moses apologized for himself and the people sinning against him. Now, I think sometimes we have to identify with people. Moses didn't sin. It doesn't say Moses sinned anywhere along. As I read this whole section, I cannot see one time where Moses sinned in any way, shape, or form. He, he just did everything perfect according to God's will. But he took their place and said, we have sinned. Notice it with me, if you would, in, in, in verse, number, uh, verse number nine. And he said, if now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us, for it is a stiff-necked people pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for thine inheritance. 
He was already in the presence of God. But he wanted to bring people with him. Can I ask you a question? Who do you want to bring with you into the presence of God? You've got to go there first. But do you want your son, your wife, your daughter, your cousin, somebody at work? Well, you've got to identify with them to bring them into the presence of the Lord. Notice, if you would, in the outline, A, God again wrote the commandments on two tables of stone and gave them to Moses. B, God came before Moses, and we're going to pause right here for a minute, and proclaimed his mercy and his holiness. Look at what God does in verse number five. And the Lord descended in the mount and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now, I'd like to have been there that day and hear that. Because to proclaim means to, uh, uh, to send forth, to shout it out, to let people know. Notice, if you would, in verse six, the Lord passed by him before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. All he's doing is saying, look, I just want you to know the characteristics that are in my heart, God says. God is proclaiming his own characteristics. And notice, if you would, verse 7, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will no by no means clear the guilty. You know what makes us guilty? No apology. No, I'm sorry. We're guilty. But we're no longer guilty if we say I'm sorry. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The guilt is gone. So notice what he says. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. That's what I don't want to happen. If no other reason for an incentive to do what's right, if not the hand of blessing on my life, if not the presence of God as the joy of my heart, it's that I don't want my hard heart transferred to my grandson. God says, I am the God that transfers sin. Now, let me just take just a minute. If you were to look at yourself and say, okay, um, you see some people that are short, their parents are short. You see some people that are tall, their parents are tall. And you see some, one's short and one's tall. The Lord says, I visit the sin. So in other words, there is a sinful characteristic. I get angry, I get bitter, and if that goes unconfessed and it's not pointed out to our children, they pick up the trait and God allows it to continue on in our, in our families. There are a lot of people that they have a fiery temper, so does their son, so does their grandson. It's known. The sons of thunder. So the Lord says, I'll let it transfer. And so notice, if you would, uh, in, in, verse number, in verse number eight, and Moses made haste. Now, when God proclaimed himself as the God of gods and the King of kings, and he made this proclamation, he said, but I forgive sin, but I visit sin to the third and fourth generation. But notice he says, Moses made haste. And tonight, maybe that's what we need to do, just make haste and do these two things. He bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. He said, oh, Lord, you are mighty. You are the God of gods. Maybe that's what we ought to do is make haste and worship him. Notice, if you would, in the outline, see, 
in God's presence, Moses bowed and worshiped him. Now notice, what, is, what, is it, what does bowing and worshiping entail? One, he humbled his heart before God. It, it requires a humbling. Two, he asked for forgiveness of sin. It requires a purity. And three, he called upon God to take Israel again for his inheritance. He worshiped him and he asked for something. He says, Lord, you're the great God of heaven. Could I ask you to do what you already promised you were going to do? Would you consider it again? And notice, if you would, in verse number nine, you can hear what he said. If now I found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us. He doesn't just pray for himself and his own blessings. Lord, I pray thee go among us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin. And notice the last phrase, and take us for thine inheritance. Lord, we don't deserve it, but Lord, would you forgive us our sin so that you can take us for your inheritance. Tonight, the Lord can bless us. We can be his inheritance too. He delights in that. Now, notice if you would, D in the outline, God saved Israel from total destruction by God. You can see it in 32.10. You can see it in 34.8 and 9. Um, uh, you, you'll notice that Moses stood up for Israel. Um, what does that entail? Look at E in the outline. God almost always had someone to stand in the gap for those who cannot or like Israel will not stand up for themselves. You know, tonight, who is it that God is burdening your heart to stand up for? It's one of the reasons we're here. We're here to worship the Lord. We're here to love Him. We're here to get in His presence, to daily get into His presence. But we're also here to make a difference for the people God loves. For God so loved the world. People you work with. People that work for you. If you're in a business, if you're a manager, God loves them. And you know what? You and I can stand up for them. Tonight, who will you stand up for? Who is it God is burdening your heart for? I have a list of people on my, um, on my prayer list every morning that I try my best to say, Lord, please bring this person to repentance. Lord, help them to see that you love them. Stand up for somebody that you love or care about. Let's bow our heads for the prayer tonight. I'm going to ask the pianist to come and uh, play a verse of invitation hymn. And so tonight, uh, I feel like the Lord has proclaimed his greatness to us. I feel like the Lord wants you and I to, to say, Lord, I, I want to present myself to you. I, I, I want to say I'm sorry. Everybody in this room can be clean because God's willing to forgive us, myself, you alike. We're going to have a word of prayer, and if you need to come this morning, I encourage you to come tonight. Lord Jesus, speak to hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Subpoenas come if you need to come tonight. Kneel at this altar. Maybe there's somebody you need to pray for. We'll just a moment go to prayer. Once we're finished, if you had slipped to the lobby when you finished praying, and say, Lord, I, I just want to talk to you tonight. I encourage you to slip to the lobby and when you're finished praying and be a blessing to someone. Encourage them.
Thank you tonight for being in the Lord's presence in the Lord's house. May the Lord bless you this week. Let's go to prayer.